Hey yo. What's oh, up, girl? I hear an echo. Yo. I'm Christina. And I'm, I'm having a mind blown moment. <laughs> I love it. This is a place within where our mind blown moments, we get to the heart of those. Yes. Yes. We get to the heart of our mind yes. blown moments, our thoughts, our feelings, our desires, where we trust we'll find the gospel in our need for it. Christina is bugging out, you guys. I am. She texted me and she was like, I have so much to talk about on the podcast. So we're just getting into it today. Hope oh you're having a good week. Hope you're ready to just I had a jump great right weekend. in. Well, I, first I can say I had a great weekend, even before what's blowing my mind. Yesterday, I got my nails done. I got a massage. <laughs> and I met up with an old, old, old friend who I hadn't seen since I was like 14. And he's now like a Canadian songwriter. So that was cool. Wow. Yeah. I um moved most of my stuff into my new house and color coordinated my books so they look really aesthetically pleasing, but sure. pretty much nothing else is done in my room and spend all my money on throw pillows and fake plants. Oh, well, good. <laughs> is that relatable? Of course. <laughs> I think so, especially the part about organizing your books. Um, That was like one of the first things that I did <laughs> it just looks so nice there's just something so pleasing about are they categorized in any sort of relevant oh, order? Really? no oh mine are categorized more by topic i did that and i loved it but looking at my bookshelf with all of that color spectrum just laid right out it it does nice things yeah for me i'm sure so it's not beautiful. mad about it, but hopefully I can find my books successfully. Amazing. Hopefully I know what color they are. But more importantly, I want to hear what happened with you. Well, then um, today I got... Okay, so this is the thing. I went on Facebook a couple days ago, and there's a notification. And it says on the notification, New Wave Feminists, um, which is one of my very favorite feminist organizations, Um pro-life feminists the ones who were kicked out of the women's march for being pro-life and then um the news like heard about that and picked up on it and it was like a whole thing and it really started to blow up the pro-life feminist um movement so it's that organization um was having a meetup in los angeles when i saw the notification i was like oh i'm sure it's gonna be something in dc i'm sure that it's not something i'm gonna be able to do and then it was this meetup in LA on a day when I had nothing planned so cool yeah and I was at so it was at three o'clock today um way the heck on the other side of the city so I was like okay I have to go to a different mass time and my church is changing mass times so I was like okay I'm gonna go to the new 11 o'clock mass it's gonna be great and I walk in at 11 o'clock and uh they're singing or it's like 11.02 they're singing and I'm like oh I'm here at the Gloria it's a little late but that'll work so I start like trying to edge my way into a pew and then everybody kneels when they're done singing and I was like there's something wrong and then I realized that they had sung the holy 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 and that the mass times change next week anyhow (laughs) it's okay I still got I went to noon mass and then um yeah so I head over to West LA and it's good job going to mass and not counting that I just want oh no yeah please to say that was the right thing that you did oh what what would you have said oh <laughs> what would you have said if uh <laughs> if I had been like so I got to mess really late but you know it's okay I uh, that's tricky because I think I would have needed to call you out mm-hmm. and we would have had I would have had kind of 
a moral responsibility to our Catholic listeners. Mm -hmm. So probably what I would have done is in order to respect your privacy after the fact, I would have corrected you and asked you to edit out the part where you talked about it. Oh gosh, that would have been so uncomfortable. (laughs) I know. So, but it would have been worth it. Yeah, but what I have preferred, I don't know. I don't know if I would have preferred you being like, no, Christina, that didn't count. Is there another mass right now? You need to go. (laughs) Or you need to go to confession tomorrow. Ooh. You know? Oh, now part of me hopes that I like accidentally say something ridiculous like that again. And then you have to do that. I want to make an agreement right now. If I ever um, admit to mortal sin that I don't think is mortal sin on the podcast, I, I am saying this right now for everybody to hear. Ashling's allowed to call me out on the podcast. All right. This deal can go both ways. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, I like okay. it. Now I, <laughs> okay. I don't hope it happens. I don't want either of us to mortally sin. Yeah. I don't want to And think that it's sin. okay. <laughs> but. Well, okay. That, if maybe we, you have maybe questions about what we're with... talking about, I would go ahead and go on YouTube and look up Father Mike Schmitz talking about mortal sin or better yet. Find a catechism or look one up online and look up what the church teaches. Father Mike Schmitz, um, the catechism, about, same thing. <laughs> yeah, about what what makes a mortal sin. Um, look that up. If you don't know, take some time to do that. I would say even click off this podcast and do I'd that first. That, unless you're driving, in which case you could easily keep on going and, and look it up as soon as you stop driving. That would have worked Make too. a little reminder. Hey yeah. Siri, remind me. And yeah. 30 minutes to yeah. read the catechism about mortal hey, sin soon. and um, hopefully she reminds you out loud in front of your co-workers now back to you <laughs> amazing okay so i showed up at this little mexican restaurant where there was supposed to be the meetup and i see this lady in a life begins or er, women's rights begin in the womb t-shirt and i was like hello are you here for this thing she's like yeah but i'm not running it so we were like sitting there talking for a long time and then three turns into four Three o'clock turns into four o'clock. Mm. And we're like, mm-hmm. what is going on? So they're new age, but they're not new age. <laughs> but they're not on time. Go on. Well, new, they're new wave. Oh, that's why I said wage. Did you think <laughs> it was a new age feminist? No, I just got my I Or got new my words mixed wage up. feminist. <laughs> my new wages because I got a raise. Anyways. I mean, glass ceiling. Let's bust through that. Exactly. New wages for women. New wage feminism focusing entirely on salary disparity. Hey. All right. Um, <laughs> that's kind of clever. So we're about to give up and then we're like, well, let's just like walk around outside. Maybe we missed something. So I stand up and I see this group like probably like 50 to 100 feet away from this restaurant, like kind of far away. Actually, I'm not very good at estimating distances, but I'm going to say that they're far enough away from the restaurant that they're not at the restaurant anymore. And we were there since like three o'clock. This other girl was there from earlier. So I'm looking over and I'm like, that's not them. But then I just like started walking because I was like, I'm not going to just give up here. And then this woman was like, are you here for the meetup? And I was like, yes. And she was like, they're over there. And I was like, are you kidding me? But then I just went and sat with them and... You calmed your temper down? Oh, yeah. I wasn't even that mad. I was just, like, mostly glad that I found them and that I wasn't driving home. Um, Ashlyn, this woman, her, the name of the woman who runs it is Destiny Herndon De La Rosa. And she is one of my feminist heroes. Hmm. Um, and I'm, like, about to qualify. I was about to qualify that with, like, modern feminist heroes. But I'm going to go ahead and say feminist heroes. Yeah, because good. she 
advocates for a consistent life ethic and she advocates for it successfully in a way that almost nobody else has except for maybe John Paul II um, <laughs> and like and she even cites John Paul II and this woman is not Catholic she identifies as, as agnostic um, but she knows how much her work resonates with Catholics and she like lets that affect her and lets herself like think about it and consider her yeah. relationship with God um, it was unbelievable so she wanted like everybody to introduce themselves and then basically just sort of she responded to like everything that everybody said about what they do and what their passions are and um, what their concerns are. Um, and it just ran like the whole gambit of like what it means to have a consistent life ethic, which I think we've talked about before. But um, it's just this idea that we uphold human dignity, uphold the dignity of human life um, at all stages of life. So, so it ends up having this major emphasis on babies yeah. obviously the unborn and their mothers recognizing that we don't live in a culture that is conducive to fertile women mm-hmm. contributing to the world in ways other than their fertility and we also don't live in a world that like upholds the power and dignity and beauty of women's mm-hmm. fertility and of women in general um so it just like she just recognized all of that with her organization and does everything she can to help women and to help the unborn when people were being like treated so terribly at the border she facilitated a drive for like baby supplies (laughs) to bring down there and everything is so like feet on the ground activism yeah it's not this like high tower thing it's all grassroots and it's all her and people she knows going out and doing work um, for the people that they are interested in helping. (laughs) Um, Anyways, so it's like three hours with all these people like talking about this and just hearing her speak in person, like five feet away from her. (sighs) I was, I I mean, it was like, it was surreal. Okay. Wow. So, and I had, okay. So flashback to 2017, um, January, I go when I lived in DC, I would go to the March for Life every year. But 2017, there was also the Women's March. And I knew that New Wave Feminists was having a meetup at the Women's March where they were going to, because they were told not to come. They were told they were not sponsored. And New Wave Feminists is like, well, okay, you cannot sponsor us, but we're coming. So great. And we're going to bring our signage. Um, so me and Katrina, who was on the podcast a few months ago, shout out Katrina. Um, we went to DC for the Women's March and we like as soon as we got out of the metro pretty much I mean we walked maybe half a mile until we got to the crowd and we could not get through to find where they were located Mm. um because we couldn't move so I didn't get to see her then I didn't get to like protest with them then um but like yeah meeting them today while it wasn't the same as like protesting with them um meeting her today just like that's a hero okay and it doesn't end there all right um so afterwards, chit-chatting with a bunch of people, by the way, finally like met some Catholics in um, this area who are passionate about pro-life feminism love and a consistent it. life ethic, it. which was like typical in D.C. You know, I right. feel like I met like most Catholics who I met were like, of course, 
We're concerned about the political disparities in our country. Nobody is pro-life. What are we going to do about this? <laughs> and it's here, just a little bit more DC. Yeah, here when I brought it up to when I would like talk about pro-life stuff with people here, they'd be like, "Yes, yes." It's that kind of makes sad. people uncomfortable when we talk about that. So we don't really talk like, about would, that. Would you stop talking about abortion? I'm like, what? I've been talking about abortion every day of my life since I was 13 years old. <laughs> Anyways, so there she um, goes. Fire him up. <laughs> I hadn't been uh, for the past two years, though. Anyways. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. It's over. We're all chit-chatting. And she goes, is anyone going to, like, the Pasadena area? And I turned and I went, yes, I am. I am going to the Pasadena area. That is where I live. <laughs> Which is true. Like, I wasn't, like, lying. <laughs> yeah. I, I live wherever you're needing exactly. to go. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was funny because I think, like, one of... Like her friends, who was like actually part of it, was like, "You, oh yeah, you live over there. Where?" <laughs> I was like, "Up by Glendale," and she's like, oh, "Okay, yeah, that is on the way." No, I don't think she was trying. I'm just California. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know that Glendale is south of Pasadena. Anyways, so um, yeah, so she gets in my car, and I'm like, "My car, I have teacher car. It's so messy. There's granola on the seat." Ah. <laughs> Which, like, maybe I should have thought of before I. But I actually well, How could you have ever suspected that you would be driving her? Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, maybe I should have been like, well, my car's really... Like, you know, just do the social thing of like, my car's really messy. I don't know if if you'd be comfortable. <laughs> and then have her be like, oh my gosh, it's totally oh, it's fine. fine. I'll get in your trash car. But instead, I was just like, I mean... Oh, yeah, I'm you're not coming gonna, with me. I was also, just like, by the way... I don't care. I hope if- <laughs> you don't mind if granola is stuck to your butt. <laughs> you know, I actually did vacuum recently. So the granola was mostly in like the cup holder. <laughs> Oh, well, that's just the cup holder. There's always who looks in, in the there. Cup who like really examines, you know? Um, like you get in someone else's car and you look in the cup holder. What kind of freak are you? That's your problem. Thank you. I agree. All right. Um, yeah, gets in the car, and she's like, has to be about my life, and I'm like, ah, it's it's irrelevant. It's inconsequential. Tell me about yours. No. And she's like, I work. To further human dignity. So, of course, I don't think that my life is more important than yours. Tell she me about so your life. She so didn't think that. Wouldn't that be so sad? I mean, you know, like, this is kind of a pointless mm-hmm. what if. But, mm-hmm. you know, this Mm-mm. person, like, believes in consistent life at thick and then treats other people like trash. I, well. That uh, would be rough for her. There are some people in the world who are that way. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Washington, Thank D.C. Destiny Herndon De La Rosa? Yeah. Did I get it right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I've been following her for years. Okay. So, anyways. So, all of that. um, And in the car, we were talking. I mean, I don't. It was, like, such just a profound conversation. She's agnostic. Mm -hmm. But about, like, God and Mm -hmm. what God does in her life. And she's, like, acknowledging these things. Um, And you're, like, you're not that agnostic. I mean, and she, I mean, I'm, but she was saying it, too, honestly. Um, What if she read Orthodoxy by Chesterton? (laughs) I don't know. She'd love it. Maybe. Maybe not. But she started talking about like, um, I think it was Jung in um, psychology talking about the wounded healer. Um, mm. And that's, I mean, and I'm like, i.e. That's an the person of on. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> but I'm like pretty much just listening because like she talked for a long time and I like love listening to her speak. So I like wasn't going to interrupt. Um, but yeah, she was talking about like the wounded healer and how like, 
she sees her ministry as not it's not a ministry in her eyes but I see it that way um she sees her like movement as kind of being like this wounded healer kind of thing where Mm -hmm. like it's all coming out of her and like the people she works with all out of their wounds that Mm -hmm. all of this like to use my language glory is coming out of Mm -hmm. um and like one of the things I was saying to her I was like this is so weird to say to you but I feel like your work is like just one of the things that's so like guided by the Holy Spirit Mm. (laughs) Um, in terms of like just like divine intervention, like making it work. Mm. Um, And she like did not disagree with me. She was like, honestly, I don't disagree with you. (laughs) I mean, just like telling me stories and stuff of like how that had been manifested. I mean, it was freaking beautiful. Just a beautiful conversation. Yeah, seriously. I mean, um, it's it's gorgeous oh like god is so active in her life beautiful like we're just sitting in like the driveway while she's like basically talking about how she follows the promptings of the holy spirit but she isn't like using those words but like the way that she's describing it i'm like those are holy spirit promptings (laughs) like girl are you baptized (laughs) i think she is hmm (laughs) i just gave a knowing look a knowing look well i this week had kind of an opposite experience unfortunately really? not to like down it no but then do it you can you can <laughs> do it up. down my experience shoot <laughs> so, it down the drain get some draino i went to a show at denver comedy works um because my sister was on the show and so i kind of knew that it's kind of a rough time um but it wanted to go and support her show just yeah not really knowing if i was gonna think the comics were funny or not um because yeah joking about abortion is definitely not off limits and um for someone that's trying to do dark humor or Mm -hmm. yeah like relative liberal no relatable liberal Mm -hmm. um it gets thrown out there and it's tough um and i was with two of my oldest friends um one who leans much heavily more heavily pro-choice um one who's pro-life and my parents are there as well with some of their friends and one of these people is someone I've known my whole life and I respect very much um but in the time that I've grown into adulthood maybe it's just that I've come to understand it more but I think that while I love her very much her and I's worldviews have both diverged away from each other Mm -hmm. um pretty dramatically especially in the last like 10 five years Mm um and so yeah not only is it uncomfortable to sit and hear somebody joke about babies in the womb and actually you know like say the words like killing them um Mm -hmm. and do that for like comedic purpose um but also then to be in the environment after the show where my one friend who's pro-life was expressing his frustration Mm -hmm. at those jokes um, and hearing the responses and totally just not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like I feel like if someone else were in the situation, I would want to say, do this, do this, do this. Mm -hmm. But I totally froze up. Wait, can Um, I ask like what the content of the jokes were? Like what was supposed to be funny about it? A lot about like, um, I don't know. I didn't commit to memory like, the jokes specifically but it's like yeah getting my girlfriend pregnant or mm. um mm. 
Oh, no. Or we we can't, you know, like, in some states, you can't even, like, kill your baby. Um, mm. Those kinds of things. Yeah, really hard, really hard stuff. And then, yeah, in follow-up conversations, just when the topic comes up with people that I've known for a long time, where we already know that we disagree about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not news to them mm-hmm. that I'm pro-life. It's not news to me that they're pro-choice. Um, but... Yeah, just callous language, the matter of life, even. And it's just so hard to watch people's um, opinions and worldviews so fragmented Mm -hmm. where there's an appreciation for their life, for their children's lives, but a lack of appreciation for the lives of others who they view to be like a nuisance. It's really contradictory and difficult. Mm. Um, And yeah, just like the classic like offhanded comment of like, you can have a, you have to be 16 to have a license to drive a car, but no one has a license to be a parent. Um, Just like a a lack of reverence and a lack Mm. of perspective, I think. Um, And I want to have a heart that knows what to say to people that I love that challenges them. Um, But just knowing that there is so much in their worldview that has cracked, um, that it's not so simple as to say, oh, look, you have a crack. It's like, how can I help you like navigate this fragment? Mm-hmm. And then I just keep taking bites of my dinner because I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't disagree with them that women are valuable. Of course I don't. Mm-hmm. But it's not a new problem to anyone that if someone who is hostile against pro-life movement assumes that you value women less Mm -hmm. if you hold that position Mm -hmm. um yeah 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 that is so uncomfy right and that's like that's why i feel like this bridge so i want to respond twofold like i do i think it would be valuable to like dig into like what do we say and i also think to like respond to that perception that we value women less Mm -hmm. so on that one i was gonna say the latter but i can never distinguish former and latter so i'm not gonna even say which one on the one i just said (laughs) but i think like always starting with that i mean and like you know these things but like starting with that recognition that like no no no, i'm pro-life i don't want birth control because i value female bodies Mm -hmm. like female bodies do spectacular things and we have been programmed to believe that they don't did i talk about about the Planned Parenthood guy I spoke with at the beach Mm-mm. on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple, maybe a month ago, while Meredith Miller was in town, um, we passed by this um, Planned Parenthood guy while we were walking down the beach. And we were just kind of, he was like, do you have a minute to support Planned Parenthood? And we were like, no. And then we kept walking. <laughs> um, and then I had to go put more money in the meter. And I sort of had this thought come into my head of like, maybe you should talk to that guy. Um, and I was kind of like, okay, if I run into him, I'll talk to him. So while I was walking back from the car, I ended up, I ended up going the opposite side of the street than he was originally on and he had switched sides. Um, so I had my earphones in and I take them out. It's like if Herod had intercepted the Magi on their way home by a different route. (laughs) Anyway, that's not, it's not, doesn't really apply. I think you mentioned the Magi last time too. (laughs) Did I really? Ashlyn can't wait for Christmas. How you're like, embarrassing. You're like one of my students who said, um, every time we bring up Christmas, they she goes, it's almost Christmas. I'm like, it's August, child. 
<laughs> I mean, we're more than halfway there. Oh gosh, the Santa Claus conversation. It's September also, by the way. Um, that we were making a chart. Sorry, this is a tangent. We were making a chart in class of things that are considered matter and things that are not considered matter. This is eighth grade, and I'm just putting them up there in the columns as they call them out. And this kid's like, "Not matter, Santa Claus," and I'm like, "Yep." And then these kids are like, <gasps> and I was like, "Erase, erase." I didn't write that. Okay, next one. <laughs> anyway, there weren't eighth graders that. I think I think um no, there's still eighth graders who believe in Santa Claus. The ones in my class, I think for the most part, are like pretty sure it's not real, guys. Almost, oh, almost, precious. almost. Certain. I don't. Oh, but I know of a, a colleague, somebody at another school who like they she had kids who were really like no no no, Santa Claus is real, and then she would be like yeah he is, and they'd be like see she said so. That is so complicated. I know. I know. We, we don't I, have time I, today I to talk about how complicated I find that. <laughs> like I said, I don't like to lie to women. So <laughs> I spoke to the Planned Parenthood guy. Um, and he's like, he gives me his whole like rehearsed spiel. Poor guy. Must not be an actor because he was very robotic. Um, and I was like, okay, like, first of all, I want to thank you for your passion for the women's rights movement. But I do have to say that I can't support Planned Parenthood because I don't agree with what they do. And I like told him my stance and um, he did. Oh, well, did you know that abortion is only 1% of what uh, Planned Parenthood does? And I was like, yeah, I've heard of that statistic before. Here's the thing. And I like kind of school him on like pro-life feminism and like the history with like I don't think I mentioned Margaret Sanger in this one, but I was sort of like, um, yeah, I, I really, the way I perceive it is, um, and I think it's true, you know, in the 70s when women were um, asserting their individuality and asserting their ability to participate in society, um, men saw that and didn't like it and said, well, fine, you could do that, but only if you get rid of this really um, inconvenient issue that you have, i.e. your fertility. And men gave them the means to do so and that was the only option and we bought into it anyway so I give him that whole spiel and he's like okay thanks bye um but I bring that up to kind of acknowledge the common ground of like desiring the best for women um and I think that's not the angle that people are really used to right now I think they're getting used to it but they're still used to this uh, the angle of like, okay, yeah, women matter, but babies matter more, um, mm-hmm. which is like both women and babies are infinitely valuable. That said, like ending a life is certainly a bigger deal, but like we we do need to acknowledge the dignity of both. I think I'm coming up against my frustration with, at this point, decades of um taking truth Mm. and turning it into nonsense yeah you know um for example i (laughs) i've really been on an audiobook kick as Uh we all know this week's book was little women the masterpiece by louisa may alcott was i motivated to actually go and listen to that book on audiobook and therefore have understood and in a way read the story as a result of the trailer that was released for the coming rendition of that story. That was a for, very complicated sentence. Oh, it's not I over. Not. <laughs> Does anyone understand what I just said? I did. Anyone, I just had to anyone, really follow it. Did I decide to read Little Women because 
there was a new movie coming out. Yes, I did. Did I realize after watching the trailer, being interested, listening to not even all of the book and going back and watching the trailer again, that the plot was in a lot of ways hijacked? Yes, I did. Mm. I've seen this Mm. happen before with another favorite story of mine, Mansfield Park by Jane Austen, Mm. where a character who is just good and earnest wasn't interesting enough in the opinion of a screenwriter. So they had to become a aspiring author, which which these these writers, Louise May Alcott and Jane Austen certainly were. I'm sure they were frustrated by their the situation that they were put in because of their femininity mm-hmm. during their time. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that what they were advocating for, specifically Louise May Alcott, who has written an incredibly Christian novel. Mm-hmm. The main theme is not that, spoiler alert, you know, like, Joe becomes a writer. Actually, at the end of the book, Joe becomes a mom, and it's not a sad story. Mm-hmm. The point is not the fact that she's liberated from her family. It's that she loves her family. Mm-hmm. A much more central theme, well, it is a feminist novel, is that life and every situation that you're put in in life is about becoming virtuous and getting to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's what that book is about. And it's specifically about the role of the family and helping people become who Mm. they were made to be. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, it's feminine. It's feminist to the extent that we have to acknowledge the unique dignity and role of women in our society in order for them and and for men to become who they were made to be. Mm -hmm. But there are also great themes about women not commandeering their children Mm -hmm. and allowing their husbands into the childbearing process. Yes. There's this huge example of complementarity within the parents, the March parents and Little Women, that is the biggest impact that these girls have for their entire life. And there's this amazing, amazing line that I could just now I could just go on because, you know, like go ahead. Louise May Alcott is my Destiny Herndon Dill. Dang it. What's her name? Destiny Herndon De La Rosa. My three named woman for the week is... Um, Um, where she says that these girls who you've fallen in love with by this point have entrusted their soul to their father and their hearts to their mother wow she says that yes holy mackerel and that their mother like nurtures them and cares for them and their father makes sure that they like have everything that they need to become holy um and it's just so inspiring and so good and whether I don't want to be like all those all those people that read Little Women and are inspired are wrong and I'm right. But I think that just from a literary standpoint, you can understand that that is a much stronger theme is mentioned way more often at way greater length with way more beautiful author asides than Joe becoming an author and asserting her independence and not wanting to get married, which she does get married, you know? Mm hmm. And so then, you know, it's not just this 2019 movie. It's the musical adaptation. It's so many other retellings of this story mm-hmm. that you can say it's because they want it to be shorter for a different media, but that's what they choose to put front and center. Um, that's the element that they desire to highlight in the story. Why do I bring this up? Mostly because I wanted to talk about it, but to be relevant <laughs> to the conversation, um, I think that that fragment, that fracture deepens where people are kind of essentially arguing with themselves where they're, you know, valuing their life 
but frustrated that someone else is allowed to have one and not even realizing the contradiction there. Not maybe entirely because like we've taken values and narrowed in on one aspect of them and forgotten about the rest. But I do think that this tragic fragmentation can come from not looking at the whole situation. Mm-hmm. I think that new wave feminism mm-hmm. is holistic and that's something mm-hmm. that's really good about it. Mm-hmm. And that each person ought to look at their frustrations and their excitements from like a more holistic perspective. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is, um, it was something that was mentioned today. Like everybody, like I said, everybody introduced themselves. And um, this one woman said like, um, she was sort of surprised that she, that Destiny was like, and, and what about you? She was like, oh, um, well, my name's this and uh, I'm a mom of five boys two of them are over there that's my husband (laughs) and Destiny was like that's that's the most important feminist work you know um and that's what she said and we were all like yes absolutely and another later on in the conversation this other woman um acknowledged that there's nothing more powerful in the world than a mother um Mm. and this is the space where that ideology is not only welcomed but like esteemed and upheld and seen as a virtuous type of like I don't even want to use the word power but I guess um strength yeah mm-hmm. um that that gift of self is what makes us powerful and it's what makes us strong um and that's in I mean that's in our today's gospel with like take the quote-unquote mm-hmm. lowest seat and be invited up I feel like mm-hmm. well maybe that's a bad connection but well that this small role of yeah being a mother that's kind of cast off as unimportant Mm -hmm. and not amounting to much or wasting your potential actually is very important Mm -hmm. to people right and that's i mean that's why (laughs) yes oh oh, no it's perfect it's perfect this is why because mary takes the lowest Mm -hmm. seat yes Mm -hmm. giving birth in a freaking manger although i don't really see anybody giving birth as taking the lowest seat i feel like that's a superhuman moment when you force another human being out of your body but anyways it's incredibly vulnerable and incredibly dangerous yes exactly so that's yeah well put not desirable so it's that and then being coronated as queen of heaven like for me not just pro-life feminism but catholic feminism is the strongest form because we have mary um who is the queen of heaven as the humblest person while Mm -hmm. on earth um and just a reminder for everybody out there, we see feminism as upholding the dignity of women in a world that doesn't uphold the dignity of women properly, mm-hmm. which I think since we have abortion um, in a world that um, dislikes female fertility, we can recognize that the world um, is not exactly pro-woman and does not uphold the dignity of women. So that is why I say feminism is needed. Yeah. Well, and to that point, like feminine bodies, feminine fertility, of course, it- you know, but also feminine methods of thinking mm-hmm. um, and not to like overly type here, but um, yeah, that desire to unify and understand the connectivity of things mm-hmm. is really wanted in the workplace, but not always valued. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the answer to a lot of problems in strategies, in teams, in interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. but is sometimes seen as around the point or counterproductive. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's needed too. Yes. 
and back to the dinner table where I'm yeah. uncomfortable or the comedy club where I'm uncomfortable. Um, I, I don't know, you know, like I want to discern this well and I don't want like my weakness and lack of courage to win the day mm-hmm. and, and lose it for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think some sort of like sharp remark to someone I've known my entire life right. of, you know, I'm so glad that your mom didn't need a license to be your mom. Mm-hmm. is gonna do it for them no not a sharp remark I, I don't think so either um but i should say something i think well i feel like yeah i don't know i don't know if your instinct goes here or not but i feel like my instinct in moments like that is like questions so like that's why i asked you what was supposed to be funny about it um mm-hmm. like hey i saw you laughing at that joke um you know i thought part of the show was funny but i thought other parts weren't that funny um, what did you think was funny about that joke? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, I think kind of leaning into it because I, I do think that the first reaction is often like, oh, um, you know, I don't really remember, but it was funny. And like, well, I mean, you laughed for a reason, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and I am, I am curious about it, you know? Um, I'm trying to think if I've done that before in that sort of context. I don't think I have. Um, actually maybe I have with, um, but like always, it's hard in social situations because in, in, in situations where you're like creating something, um, you're able to kind of be like, okay, so I can see that you, you're asking mm-hmm. for feedback right now. Like, that's what I'm saying. Um, in social situations, it's certainly harder. But I also, I don't know, like, I think that we've all been to shows where we talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. And I think mm-hmm. that even when a moral issue is a part of why we didn't like something, um, we can still do that. And I think that the only thing we're afraid, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, um, I think we're afraid, obviously, of being seen as the, like, person with some, like, a stick up your butt who, like... Yeah, I think it's, like, I'm afraid of wounding important relationships. Yeah, I think, like, there is this fear of... Well, here's the thing. When we have relationships where there are those ideological differences and we don't buy into relativism, then we do recognize outside of the situation itself that should the situation arise, like, we do want to challenge that. But of course, there's that fear of wounding. So I always go back to that same thought that doesn't really have to do with, like, correcting people, but more to do with, like, (laughs) it was that, I think I mentioned it before, but that woman who said, like, in a relationship, like a friendship between a man and a woman there's a moment where that relationship's going to change and like Mm -hmm. you never want it to change but it will and Mm -hmm. I think that might be the case too in relationships where you don't I mean I think it's the case in every relationship Mm -hmm. because as you deepen in friendship you like have to be more honest Mm -hmm. yeah but when people don't ask your opinion it's certainly tougher than if they do and there is just this like tense dance um, that happens in a lot of my older relationships. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a, sen- a similar sentiment from lots of other people. So right. I think that there are a lot of us out there that really like love the people that we grew up with and maybe even the people that raised us in a direct or indirect sense. Um, and I think that I just need to remember in those tense moments, maybe even if that's not the moment to address it, Mm -hmm. that in those relationships that I'm so afraid of wounding Mm -hmm. that I kind of mentioned this 
earlier, like, especially over the last five years, there's been a divergence, you know, mm-hmm. and where I love this person and I don't want them to hate me, but I also don't talk to them about anything that's important to me, nor right. do I think that they talk to me about anything that's right. important to them. Right. Um, and that wouldn't it be better to have a really heartfelt conversation where we actually aired out how much we really disagree. Yes. And could I like actually initiate that? Do I initiate it in front of all of our family at the table? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know, like this is me modeling. Hey, we, I don't know if you feel this way, but I care about you so much. And I do know that there's like some tension. I just want you to know that I think really differently than you about particularly the issue of abortion. I think that we both know that. I just kind of want to call a spade a spade. That being said, I also want you to know that I care very much about the dignity of women. Mm-hmm. I in no way desire to be oppressed as a woman. In fact, I don't think that my fertir- my fertility or any children that I'll bring into the world or children that anyone brings into the world are disposable i want to uphold their dignity and that's why i believe what i believe and you i recognize that, that you they believe oppress something else. you right um and that i think that it can be really dangerous to look at them as an oppression to society so i don't nice. think that that ever really leads yes. where we want it to go Never. Yeah. and i would love to hear anything that you have to say about the matter but i just think that we need to say it yeah maybe even easier than what you said um as like an opening statement like Hey, so we think differently about abortion. We never really talked about it, but I kind of want to talk to you about it. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know the relationship, but I feel like that's a pretty... Like, I, I mean, that's a thing. It's just there's yeah. this this um taboo of addressing these big issues. Like, if you know mm-hmm. what somebody else thinks and they know what you think, it's like, why bother talking about it? And we bother talking about it because we believe that there's truth. But if you're relativistic, then you don't. So then you get frustrated when somebody like starts talking to you about it. And they're like, well, we already acknowledge that we disagree. Like, can't we just stay there? But we say like, no, but let's say they think that all you're thinking is like, I want to change your mind. We're thinking, sure, like I want you to see truth, but we're also thinking, I want to deepen my relationship with you Mm because this has been a wall between us. And it is important enough that it's a wall. We can't ignore it. Well, I think something that regardless of the outcome of the conversation, that it's important for me to acknowledge and it's important for anyone to acknowledge is that I can know that we disagree because of the things that we say. I do not know what this other person is thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we are like... Yes, and you you can open that way. Using like tact Mm -hmm. to build these walls that stop us from having closer relationship they stop us from having a falling out but they also stop us from getting close yo memorize that sentence and then start there Mm. like i think that's so powerful we've been using tact to avoid a falling out but it's also keeping us from having a closer relationship that's powerful i think i said something similar to somebody once when um we were kind of acknowledging that i believe that like we're not well and that we are broken and that we need to change and this person I was talking to was kind of like I don't think that I don't think that I need to change I don't think that I'm broken and I sort of said Mm -hmm. like well I think that explains the wall between us Mm. um and unfortunately it didn't necessarily go into like I don't the thing it it, it does require an openness on both parties because like I Mm -hmm. I was curious about what this person 
would say if I were to say like so where does that like come from like how do you perceive people who you wish were different like um and I did want to express like what my thoughts on the matter were but I don't think that she was open to it so I didn't end up like we didn't end up going much deeper than that like because it was sort of like yeah that does explain the wall okay I don't want to talk about it anymore you know um but I feel like like that's I feel like um abortion especially and like women's rights that is something that once you bring it up as a conversation topic at least in my experience people do want to engage with it Mm -hmm. like once you like open the door and say like hey I want to talk about this can we do that Mm -hmm. if it's not like you know Thanksgiving or like a (laughs) formal ball or something (laughs) it's like all right fine this is what you want to talk about over coffee let's do it I don't know if you agree with that well, I'm, I'm thinking I want to continue to reflect on this, but, you know, like Jesus came, became incarnate to save and to conquer, mm-hmm. um, but still left the choice up to us, meaning that yes. like he doesn't approach us in relationship bent on changing our mind. Mm, he approaches yeah. us in relationship, like intent on revealing his heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that we can do that too, yes. you know? Yes. Like, if I'm going to show you my heart as a tactic to change your mind, it's not going to work. Yes. If I'm going to show you my heart because it's wounded and it's it's bloody, but it's also beautiful. And I believe that, like, that beauty, that which belongs to Jesus, is what you were made for and is going to be attractive to you. Mm-hmm. But you might reject it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not my business to know what you're thinking because I don't. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not my business to, like write out a script and rehearse it um it's my opportunity to show you my heart yes out of love for yours yes and a desire to be in relationship with you and and i want this to influence my friendships and my close relationships and i'm scared mm-hmm. and i know that i can't let that fear stop me but also i need to go to that heart that's perfectly revealed to me jesus and let him strengthen and fortify me and teach me. Yes. Um, and, yes. and there that, will be yeah, subsequent steps. There will be, but that has to be step one. That's the only mm-hmm. way that it's going to happen. Yeah. I know that sounded kind of like this, like pretty speech. I think I was just like, I know that I was just saying that for the first time. I'm like, oh, I need to remember that. Yes. I need to it's understand so this. And this is like pretty personal conversation. I mean, like real <laughs> situation. <laughs> um it's hard. It's super hard mm-hmm. to love people that you really disagree with and really disagree with you. Mm-hmm. But I think you're and so right. It's revealing the heart, not to change it, but just to reveal it um, and to reveal truth. Um, like, and I think um, evidence that it works is what um, this woman is doing with her organization. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she started that organization because she became pregnant at 16 and knew the pressure on women to end pregnancies and knew that that was the wrong thing and had almost nowhere to turn and like it was born out of woundedness not of brokenness and I mean and this is like what she was saying to me that like there are just these times where it's like no just like reveal yourself and it does bring people to see truth um I think even in this conversation that you're having right now like the way that, I don't know, at least the, how I heard it just now was like you coming to truth by bearing your heart. 
Like you recognized that reality of how Christ loves by revealing himself regardless of like without a desire to change, just as a desire to reveal and to know and be known. Um, mm-hmm. You came to that by bearing your heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know Praise if that God. makes any sense. It does. And I think that, that, I mean, this being just such a tense, contentious, um, volatile issue in the world in which we live, it's common for this to be a divider. But maybe it's like, I believe in God and you don't, you know? Right, right, right. I'm Catholic and you are not. Um, It is highly likely that everybody listening to this, even if it's not about the issue of life, and terminating life in the womb there's some way that jesus wants to reveal to you more about what his heart means and what his availability means to you by challenging you to become available to other people Mm -hmm. Um, and i think that there's always at least for me i notice this pressure on myself when i'm faced in a like a conversation that could lead to evangelization that i'm like oh my gosh like I have to say the right thing. Oh, uh, uh, I have to like evangelize. Oh my gosh. And it's like, what you just said was so freeing. It's like, mm. no, don't approach it with a desire to change. Approach them with the desire to know them and to let them mm. know you. And if like, if Christ is affecting my heart, then, then it will be a part of the conversation. And Like, certainly, I mean, I think maybe the reason I think about that is because I know that there have been times that I've, like, avoided sharing the gospel message because I haven't wanted to get into it. Mm -hmm. So it's like an overcorrection kind of thing. But that's, like, the exact middle road. That's, like, the, not middle road, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's the path to authentic relationship and evangelization is bearing one's heart and recognizing Christ's presence in one's experience. And this is a really important time to not be perfectionists about it. Um, Like we shouldn't set out on the road planning to fail, Mm -hmm. but we will. Mm -hmm. And we can confidently entrust those failures, those times that are just our words run dry. Our fear takes over. uh, We miss the opportunity. We have to entrust those things to Jesus's mercy. But when we're around other people who are desiring to live as Jesus's disciples, we also, I think, need to not give them the cop out of, oh yeah, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I could have just shared that with you, Christina, and you could have been like, yep, that's a really hard one. Yep, me too. Yeah. And that's this other wall. And it's like this sense of like, yeah, nobody understands us. us. No one gets us. Man, we're such victims. We don't, but nobody wants to do it because it's hard. And so we kind of give other people the same excuse and hope that they'll feed it back to us. Mm -hmm. And we can admit that it's hard and we can admit that we fail and we need to stop letting that just be enough of a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, that's really challenging. I bet you feel really stupid in those situations. I'm going to pray for you that you don't let that get the best of you mm-hmm. for your sake and the sake of that other person. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the pump up that I want. That's the pump up that I want to give to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, this isn't easy, but I think that that's going to be important as well. Yeah. Wow, that's all I got to say about that, chick. Freaking beautiful. Um, I kind of want to add one more thing to our conversation about being pro-life and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, something that the priest mentioned in the homily today was how Jesus' parables, which he uses to teach, like always involve turning something on its head 
And Mm. I think that right now, things that are very powerful in this conversation, um, the human rights conversation, Mm. because everybody's so like steadfast, like digging their heels in, um, in their ideologies is like kind of that turning things on their heads. Like, which I think is when people are sort of like, oh, well, if you're pro-life, then you should think this, 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 and this. And you go, oh, I do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, it is everything that we're talking about, but I think it gives it power um, to recognize that it does fit with how um, Christ taught and how Christ affected people's minds. It was mm-hmm. by taking what was thought to be true and flipping it in some way so that you see it mm. as almost a, yeah, seeing it for for its real truth. Mm. I love it. Um, and I would ask what's been exploding your heart and soul this week, but I think you already said it. Do you have another one? You know what? I did, but I forgot what it was. All right. Well then that's it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Mine was, um, little women. I already really went off about that. So beautiful. It's good people. Beautiful. I finished the book of, of, uh, Leviticus. So that was a happy moment. You made it. Finish Leviticus. Now we're in numbers. Slightly Ugh. better. And then is it Deuteronomy after that? I think so. Now Deuteronomy has some hard hitters in there. Oh, I remember what I was gonna say. So I guess Tell it must it. not be rocking that much if I couldn't even remember. But I think it is. In the moment it is. I started praying morning and night prayer. Mm. Um in the liturgy of the hours. And um that's the reason I thought of it because I said the word hard hitters. I just love like I feel like when I read scripture, when I read like the daily readings or if I'm reading mm-hmm. like through the Bible, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. I wish I could read that verse more often. And the cool thing about the Psalter or like the cycle of Psalms that are read and, and readings that are read um, in the Liturgy of the Hours is that like a lot of the hard hitters are in there and you read through them like you cycle through it week by week or um, mm-hmm. month by month and you like mm-hmm. you always go back to it at least like 12 times a year. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me happy when I read one of these like great verses that I'm like, hey, I'm going to read that again in four weeks. Can't you believe that we have a mother that wants to feed us? <sighs> feed baby birds. So good. Cool. I love what, it. What's uh What's on your soul movement? Oh, I said I. It's, it's Little Women. Ah. Um, in this conversation, but can I just read this one quote, please? It's so good. Let me find it. Women work a good many miracles, and I have persuasion to think that they may perform even that of raising the standard of manhood by refusing to echo detrimental sayings. Let boys be boys, the longer the better, and let young men sow their wild oats if they must. But mothers, sisters, and friends may help the crop be a small one and keep many tares from spoiling the harvest by believing and showing that they believe in the possibility of loyalty to the virtues which make men manliest in good women's eyes. I don't think I really understood that. But you I, I read it really badly. Why are you, I gonna, just feel why are you really, putting it on yourself? I didn't understand it. But I did. I felt myself stumbling. So people, the summary is that it's not that boys should stop being like boys or that if they're going to be wild, that's going to be the end of them. That women can work miracles in their lives by teaching them and showing them with the witness of their life and their like reactions that 
their virtues will make them more treasured than their boyish shenanigans or their wild oats. Mm. And that will actually, that what they want to be is men and that women can show them that it's virtue that makes them manly. And that that's a miracle. Right. And I think that it's not by, um, by, you know, taking him in and like being his therapist and teaching him how mm-hmm. to be a person, but it's just by like when he's acting a fool, like, oh, you're not attractive to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me walk away. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? And- <laughs> In the context of the story, which I will not get into, it's just really beautiful. But I I just as a sister and a friend um, and many of the pivotal players of my life um, being important guy friends, um, feeling so encouraged by the fact that our influence on each other is a miracle and a way that God reveals himself in a greater fullness Mm. was awesome for, you know, this Protestant gal in the 19th century to have such a lovely handle on and give to so many so good well this has been a place within if you would like to follow us on instagram we would love to have your followership at apw podcast reach out to us um at apwpodcast at gmail.com we'll be praying for you pray for us and Less important than the prayers, but forgot to say it before. Five stars on iTunes, please, and give us a share. We're going to have this.